Okay, Acts chapter 20, verse 27. Starting in this verse, this is just kind of the launching point for tonight. So just to um, be looking at that if you would. Acts 20, verse 27 says, For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Notice what Paul says here. He said, I, I, I have declared all, that means the whole, counsel of God. Now listen, folks, we, we live in a society today, we live in a culture in our country that says only say what's positive, right? Never say anything that would be considered negative by others. And the truth be told, the vast majority of our American churches have fallen right in line with society and they cater to our society. So all you hear from the pulpits of America today is positive, man-pleasing, man-centered preaching and teaching. And listen, folks, if we only preach the positive, then we are not preaching the truth. Right. We're only preaching half the truth, right? Amen. Let me ask you this. If I tell half the truth, what have I done? I've told a lie, right? A half truth is nothing more than a glorified right. lie, right? Amen. I almost think that you need to swear in the preachers of our day, right? <laughs> Probably the, the politicians and media would do well to do this as well. Just like they do in a court uh, to, to get in where they say, I promise to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me God. Amen. That's what not what we're seeing in our pulpits in America, is it? Now, sometimes, folks, the truth is negative. Sometimes the truth hurts. But if we will be what God wants for us to be, we need to stand for and proclaim the whole truth. Amen. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. And in Timothy 2.15, he instructed this young preacher. He said that he was to rightly divide the word of truth. This verse that we just read in Acts 20.27, 20, the Apostle Paul testifies that he had not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And so we are to rightly divide it. So as to accurately portray the truth of the word of God. And we are to preach the whole counsel of God. Listen, folks, that, that means we don't omit the negative parts. Okay, we don't, we don't omit the parts that we don't like or the parts that we might feel may offend someone or the parts that we think could possibly make somebody feel uncomfortable. If that was the case, there'd be very little of this book you could actually preach. Because you know what? A lost sinner does not like to hear what's in this book. And oftentimes, the carnal saints don't want to hear what's right. in this book either. But we need to tell it all, and we need to tell it like it is. Amen. Amen. Not modified by man's opinion. Not modified by secular society. But tell it like it is. And if we don't, then as the Apostle Paul mentions in 2 Corinthians 4, 2, we are handling the word of God deceitfully. He said, I've not handled the word of God deceitfully, but there's a whole lot of men out there today that are. Remember, folks, the devil uses Scripture. His false prophets also use Scripture. 
In our day and age, many of the politicians who could care less about God also use Scripture to justify whatever it is that they're promoting. But they will not rightly divide it. They will not tell you the whole counsel of God. Instead, they handle the word of God deceptively that they might accomplish their own agendas, whatever it may be. They will tickle ears and tell positive, man-pleasing things, but they will not tell you the whole truth. Think about it for a moment. How can I tell you of the wonders of heaven without first warning you of the horrors of hell? Right. How, how can I present to you so great a salvation without first preaching to you the need to repent and turn to Christ and flee the wrath to come. Listen, friend, the truth is that no man is really truly ready to receive the wonders of salvation that God offers until he first sees how wretched and how miserable and how much of a sinner he is in danger of the judgment of God and headed for the pits of hell. Nobody's ready to be saved until they first recognize they need to be saved. Right. That requires some negative preaching, so to speak. Until that person actually sees their need of salvation that's offered, there's no reason for them to want it. I mean, you think about it, and I know I'm like this, probably many of you are as well. But the doctor tells me, Mr. Curtis, I've got this here pill for you, and it's really good for you. I want you to take it. I'm thinking to myself, I feel pretty good. I don't need that pill. I ain't taking that pill, Brother Darrell. I don't want that pill. Yeah. <laughs> if I don't see my need to take it, why am I going to take it? I'm not going to take it. Right. I can tell you that. I ain't taking anything extra I don't have to take. <laughs> but if that doctor looks me square in the eye and says, man, we've tested you. Your heart is on the verge of failing. And you better make sure you take this medicine because if you don't take this medicine, you're going to die. And that preacher is going to be burying you soon. How do you think I'm going to respond to that? You're going to take the pill. I'm going to take the pill from there. <laughs> I'll say, okay, get my prescription real quick. I want to make sure I have that thing on hand, right? That requires some negative news, did it not? And would you not be glad when your doctor gives you such negative news so you can have that positive effect that that will happen in your life? See, that's the reality of what we need in our life. You know what? If I neglect to share the negative aspects of the gospel and the, the negative aspects of the word of God, then I am nothing more than an ear-tickling deceiver. And I'll tell you, we've got a whole lot of those out there today. You see, the truth is like a coin. It has two sides. But in order for that coin to be genuine, both sides need to be accurately minted. Otherwise, it is a misrepresentation of the original right. thing. And so also, one-sided truth is only a misrepresentation of the real thing, Christian. Now, I understand that many do not want to hear the thou shalt not and the no's and the negatives of the Bible. Uh, no child likes to hear that word, right? 
I've, I've, I've got six children. None of them like to hear, no, don't touch, don't do that. Okay, they didn't like that. But you know, the negatives of the Bible are really given to us for our benefit, aren't they? Amen. And if you think about it, you know that's the truth. Even with your children, you can see that. I mean, I tell my children, don't stick stuff in the light socket, Daniel. <laughs> well, there's a reason for that. Daniel learned the hard way. <laughs> don't go in the road. Thankfully, they've not learned that lesson the hard way. I've just pointed at the road pool and say, that would be you if you don't listen. <laughs> but listen, there's some negative things that God has for us, and it's really for our benefit. Right. And for us to neglect that is not right. And that's what we see happening in a lot of churches today. And so tonight, what I want us to do, and I want us to take note of seven negatives that God wants his children to understand. I'm focusing on his children tonight because predominantly Sunday night crowd, it's God's people. Okay, so seven negatives that God wants his children to understand. Okay, the first negative command is be not. Look with me at 2 Chronicles, uh, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse number 14. Second Corinthians 6, verse number 14 says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Amen. Now God clearly tells us here that we as believers are to not be unequally yoked. Now certainly this applies to marriages, okay? A believer should never, ever consider yoking up with and marrying an unbeliever, okay? Never should that be a consideration. Uh, such an individual is only asking for heartache and trouble and problems in their marriage and in their life if that's the path they choose because it's contrary to the Word of God, okay? For light and darkness have no fellowship together. And so how could a lost husband and a saved wife or a uh, lost wife and a saved husband how could they yoke together how could they fellowship together when they are so contrary inside uh, the, their souls okay that can't it, it just won't work okay so it's going to just result in much conflict and contentions or else it's going to lead to that believer compromising his stand with the stand of his unbelieving or her unbelieving spouse. None of these things are to our benefit. This is the reason God says, be not, right? Be not unequally yoked. Now, this doesn't apply just to marriage. It applies very, I mean, it's got great application to marriage. But it also applies to other areas as well. A believer should never be yoked up. Uh, with unbelievers as friends as well. It applies to our friendships, okay? Now listen, Christians. Well, I'm not saying you, you can't be friendly to people. In fact, I think as Christians, we need to be friendly. We need to be kind Amen. towards those who are lost, to those who are without Christ. But on the same hand with that, we need to recognize that to make them close friends will only result in us being dragged down to their level... And compromising our stand and our beliefs. And listen, such friendships 
will only bring trouble and heartache. We need to beware. Okay, I've had situations with friendships like that in my youth, and boy, it had that effect on me. We need to beware. It's not to your benefit, okay? And also, I believe the Lord wants us uh, to also consider here not to yoke up with a liberal or contemporary church. Amen. Okay? God does not want it. We are to be equally yoked, right? And we ought to, we ought to yoke up, listen, with a good, solid, Bible-believing church that believes right and that stands right, amen, according to God's word, not according to some man's opinion. A lot of churches out there operating what they do in their church. It's all according to the opinions of men. They've got this committee and that committee, and whatever the committees decide, the church does, and it's run that way. And it's not God's way, because we right. need to be run according to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. We have to be yoked up with such a church. For, listen, folks, to compromise and to yoke up with the liberal and the contemporary churches, I'll tell you, it's not going to be to our betterment. It would only be to our detriment. We don't need to have any part of that. You know, even, you know, I, I don't have, I'm not looking to go to any other sort of church, okay? But as, as for a pastor, I don't go to other churches' meetings if I notice these things. If I hear them putting in tape music with a thumpity thump in the background, guess what? I'm not going back to that church again. If I hear they pull out some other false perversion, and preach from a pulpit, guess what? I'll never be going back to those doors again. Okay? I don't want to have anything to do with that. And it goes the same for the men that I would have in this pulpit. If they come in this pulpit and I find out that they're changing their stand, boy, they're going contemporary with their music. They're going contemporary with their Bible versions, even with their dress standards and things of that nature. Hey, listen, I'm going to say goodbye, buddy. I don't care. I, the Bible says be not unequally yoked. Man. Why do we need to compromise our stand? God wants us to be sound in our stand and take a strong stand for Christ and his word. Because it's not about the preacher. It's about God. Amen. And it's about what he wants. And he tells us, be not unequally yoked. Okay, don't compromise. Don't settle for less than the best than what God wants. Be not unequally yoked. That's what God says. Notice number two. He tells us to touch not. Look at 2 Corinthians 6, 17. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Amen. Now Paul writes here, touch not the unclean thing. Now you think about that for a minute, believers. There are some things that are just plain, wicked, wrong, and unholy, right? Amen. And God doesn't have to wave a big banner in front of you for you to understand that, that God just does not want you to even touch such things. I mean, don't even have, you don't even have to pick up a bottle of alcohol, right, to know what's wrong. You know, God doesn't want you to have any part of that. That those cigarettes, that, that joint, that, those drugs, that, that porn magazine, those, those vile movies, that rock CD, that lottery ticket. Uh, listen, friend, you know those things are vile. You know those things are unholy. You know they're unclean. You know that according to the word of God. The Bible makes abundantly clear that these things are not for the believer. 
What you know, know ye not that your body is not your own. You're bought with a price. Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. And you know what? These things are of no benefit to your life, are they? They will only, they're parasites. They will destroy your life. They will only harm me and bring ruin and trouble to my life. Touch not, God says. Touch not. Listen, friend, you don't need to question why. Because listen, when, when God says, touch not the unclean thing, we need to just say, yes, sir, Lord. Yes, sir, God, because he's protecting us from reaping the evils that are associated with those vile things. You know, it may be a negative command, but it's got a very positive effect in my life. Boy, it's very positively affected me and kept me from many awful things that I could have had to go through. Because I will listen to what God has said concerning many of these things. So touch not. Just like when daddy says, don't touch the stove, right? We had a fire, a wood stove in Ukraine, and it was always one of my concerns is that one of the kids would come over to that stove and lay their hand on it. And so I remember us very diligently telling them, do not touch the stove. We would get their hand even up close to it. We'd get it so we'd get close enough to feel the heat and say, listen, look, it's hot. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. You put your hand on that, it's going to burn you. You know what? God says that to us sometimes. Yeah. He says, touch not, Christian. The unclean thing. Why? You're going to get burned. You don't listen to God, you're going to get burned. So listen, be not unequally yoked. Touch not the, um, the unclean thing. Also, he says, love not. Look at 1 John 2.15. Love not. First John 2.15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In this text, John writes that we are to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Listen, Christians, we are called to be different, right? We're called to be different. We're called to, to not love the way of this wicked old world. The system of this old world, listen, it's antichrist. It is completely contrary to the Lord and to where he stands and what he wants in your life. And so we are commanded not to love worldliness, not to love that worldly way, but we are to love holiness. We are to love godliness. We are to love the Lord, thy God, with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And so listen, friend, if, if something is worldly or even seems worldly, that means like the world, okay? Like the lost world out there. Then I ought not to have anything to do with it. My music ought to be different. There is worldly music and there is godly music. 
And just because it says Christian at the front of it does not make it godly, folks. Yes. My dress ought to be different. Yeah. When you go out on the town, can someone tell that you're different? Or do you look just as worldly as they do? My Bible ought to be different. Right. Good. We got a whole lot of perversions. And I think one of the new versions that the new world version or something like that, one of the versions out there today. What do you want to bet it's as worldly as can be? Right. They want to take hell out. They want to take the blood out. They want to make Jesus a man. They want to just pervert the word of God. Right. Do they not? Hey, listen, love not the things of the world. The devil can come up with all the worldly versions that he wants to. We don't need to have any part of it. It's not for us. Love not the world. My music ought to be different. My dress ought to be different. My Bible ought to be different. My lifestyle ought to be different, Christian. Amen. Because I love the Lord. And so love not the world, my brother, for this world has nothing of any benefit to offer you. Only sorrow and heartache is going to be found in this whole wicked world. There's nothing there for the believer. So be not, touch not, love not. Colossians 3, 2, set not. You would turn there with me. Colossians chapter number 3. Verse number two. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Now the Apostle Paul writes here that we are not to set our affection on things on this earth. Listen, Christian, there are a lot of believers out there today who have an improper relationship with stuff. You know what I'm talking about? They have set their affections on the things that they can gather in this life, on the things that they can gain here in this earth. And it is to their detriment, friend. No Christian is going to be the Christian he ought to be if he is focused on earthly stuff rather than heavenly rewards. Amen. A Christian who sets his affections on the things of this earth will no doubt, listen, he will no doubt suffer lost at that Bema Seed judgment because he chose to live for stuff rather than to live for the Savior. We've been talking to the children lately about um, getting an allowance. And we're not going to, in my mind, Brother Darrell, I don't know about you, but I don't give them an allowance like this privilege type idea, like they just deserve it. Yeah. If they get money, they, they have to earn it. Man, don't work, you don't eat, right? Man, it's good. But as I was talking to him about it the other day, I said, listen, Jesus tells us that one day he's going to have us stand before him. And we're going to either gain or suffer a loss, depending on how we have or have not worked. I said, you're going to be able to earn a certain amount of money every day for doing your jobs. If you do not do your job, your money will be taken away and given to someone else who will do their job, and they'll get your reward. Good. I said, listen, that's the way God does it. That's the way we're going to do it in our house. 
They're getting ready to start up. Our house was very clean tonight. <laughs> How come we're not like that as Christians? It's good. We live for all the stuff we can get rather than the heavenly rewards we can earn in heaven. You know what Jesus said? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. Not second, not third, not way on down the list. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. Set your priorities right, Christian. Do not set your affection on things down on this old wicked earth. Seek first the Lord and his kingdom. For one day you're going to wish that you had when you stand before Jesus Christ at that Bema seat judgment and you suffer loss at the judgment seat because you lived for stuff and you did not choose to live for the Savior. May God help us. This is for yes, our benefit. Set not your affections on the things of this earth. Do not live for stuff. Or when you stand before Jesus, and it's going to be here before you know it, your vapor of a life is going to be gone, and you're going to be standing, uh, maybe like Daryl said, bowing at his feet, and you're going to think to yourself, I wish, I wish, I wish my life had been focused on living for Jesus and his kingdom rather than the stuff that I could get or attain in this world. You'll find out then, if you don't now, that it's not worth it to live life that way. Better listen to the word of God now that you can reap the benefits then. So be not, touch not, love not, set not. Psalms 1, walk not. Turn there with me if you would. Psalms 1, 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. The psalmist makes it clear here that the godly man, the blessed man, is not to walk in the way of sinful and ungodly men. Solomon also writes in Proverbs 4 and verse 13, he tells us to enter not into the path of the wicked. Same concept. You see, as a believer, I am called to be going a completely different direction than the way of the world and the way of the ungodly. For I am called to walk as he walked. Amen. I am called to follow in the footsteps of my dear Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You see, Christian, the way of sinners, the way of the world, the way of the ungodly, it's not for you and me. For I am called to walk a different walk. And listen, to unwisely choose their way and to walk even for a short time in that way is to remove myself from the path of God's blessings Good. and to place myself in the path of God's judgment. God makes that abundantly clear. First person that comes to my mind as I think about that is Samson. Boy, he walked in the way of the ungodly. And boy, he reaped the awful consequences. Was he saved? Well, Hebrews makes it abundantly clear as they mention him in the, in the chapter of faith that he was saved. 
But boy, he chose, at least for that period of time, to walk in the way of sinners, to walk in the way of the ungodly. And he suffered, and he lost a whole lot because of it. Amen. May we not put ourselves in the path of God's judgment because we go in the way of sinners and the ungodly, but may we choose to put ourselves in the path of blessings because we're following in the footsteps of Jesus. Amen. Walk not. Okay? So be not, touch not, love not, set not, walk not, give not. Matthew 7, verse 6. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now Jesus here clearly teaches us to give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Now listen, Christian, think about this for a minute. Arguing with an atheist is foolish, right? Witness to them, yes, please, witness to them. They need you to witness to them. But don't argue, for they are wise in their own deceit, are they not? Amen. I mean, just think about how foolish it is to believe what they believe. Okay, it's foolish to believe that everything came from nothing unless you can believe in an almighty God. Because we know that the laws of science make it abundantly clear that you cannot, absolutely cannot, get something out outside. You can't get something from nothing. Right. It takes an outside power, and the only power that, that could ever be was an almighty, all-holy God. Amen. So don't argue with them. They're wise in their own deceit. It will do you no good. You are just casting your pearls before swine, are you not? Right. And you know what? It's the same. It's the same with the with the cultist as well. Yes, witness to them. Give them the proclaim the truth. Proclaim the gospel to them. But don't waste your time arguing with the gamesayers. It is not your job. Think about this. It is not your job to convince them. It is your job to proclaim the gospel to them. Amen. And so if they won't listen and they only want to argue and justify their blind and wicked position, then just let them be. The Lord says, give, them, give not that which is holy to the dogs. Just move on to the next person. Otherwise, they will waste your time when you could have been reaching others with the gospel. Good. How many times have you been in a position like that? I know I've, and I, and I, I fall prey to it so often. I'll knock on somebody's door. Somebody will come. I remember when we first started doing this, I remember going out door knocking with Jessica in Lincoln, Maine, when we were working the youth ministry there. We came upon this couple's house, young Jehovah Witness. They came and answered the door. I think that was the first time I had ever talked to a Jehovah Witness. They had a big smile and oh, come on in. And we got in there and I tried and I tried and I tried and God had really helped me. I really had learned the scriptures well. But I couldn't get anywhere with them. Looking back, we went to that one house. We ended up not being able to go to any other houses on that street because they wasted all of our time. And we were unable to give the gospel to anybody else that day. I should have given the gospel to them and gone on. Okay, listen, 
That's the way God wants us to be. We don't need to be arguers. We need to be preachers of the word of God. And so when those situations arise, God says, give not, give not that which is holy to the dogs. Don't be casting those pearls before the swine. Sure, you preach the gospel to them. They don't want to listen. You move on to somebody that will. Amen. Amen. So be not, touch not, love not, set not, walk not, give not. And number seven, enter not. Look at Luke twenty-two forty. When is, he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And listen, Christian, it's the Lord's desire that you would not enter into or act upon those temptations that are put before you. Now, we know and understand that every man, it says in James 1.14, every man is tempted... And in Hebrews 4, 15, it talks about us being tempted in all points. Jesus was tempted in all points at, like us, okay? But it is not God's will, it is not God's desire that we would enter into those temptations, that we would act upon them. And so Jesus instructs us, pray that ye enter not into temptations. You know, I think another thing I consider here, this makes it clear that oftentimes... Men get caught up in temptations. Why? Because they haven't prayed about it. Good. They haven't asked for God in advance to help keep them from entering into temptations. And so they get entangled in a mess. This is not what God wants for you, believer. For you are to enter not into those temptations. So you better take time to get alone with God, amen? And ask him to enable you to enter not into temptation. But that you might flee like Joseph. I think Joseph was on praying grounds. And so when that temptation was put before him, he was ready to enter not into that temptation. He was ready to get out of there and flee and get away. And that's the way God wants us to be. Enter not into temptation. So tonight as we consider these things, we've examined each of these negative commands. God wants us to understand as believers. And I'll tell you what, if you think about each of these things, we can see that clearly each of these negative commands, they're not a hindrance to our life, are they? No. They are for your benefit. They are for your blessing. And you know what the reality is? We ought to be so thankful. We ought to raise our hands to heaven and just bless and thank God that he put these negative truths in the word of God to protect us from all the pitfalls and from all the problems that would be associated with these things had God not put them in there. Yes, I'll tell you what. I am thankful that we have a God who's given us the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Both the positive aspects as well as the negative aspects. And Christians, may we be like that as well. May we not just give a partial presentation of the word of God. May we not be afraid to say, thus saith the Lord. Amen. Because God wants us to take a stand, whether it's on a negative issue or a positive thing. Yeah, praise God. God loves you. Jesus died on the cross for you. But listen, if you don't repent and 
Is it not love to truly tell the homosexual, listen, you better repent of that sin and give, get right with God. Otherwise, you're on the path to hell. That's what the Bible tells me. The Bible says the effeminate will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The drunkard will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. The Bible tells us these things. These are negative things, but they're truth. If you don't listen to them, you're going to regret it one day. Just like the house on fire. You don't walk by and not say a thing. You don't, I mean, you go, you knock on the door, you say, get out, get out. Your house is burning down. You're going to die in there. Hey, that's negative, right? Sometimes negative is necessary. Okay. May we be willing to take such a stand even though it's not always the popular thing to do, to take a stand for the word of God and just say what the Lord wants us to say, amen, and take a stand for the truth. Let us all stand to our feet, heads bowed, eyes closed. We'll have a quick altar call. If the Lord spoken to your heart tonight about one of these things we've touched on, the altar is open. Listen, Christians, we need to not be afraid in this politically correct culture in which we live to take a stand for the truth and all of the truth. Maybe you want to come pray about that today. Maybe there's somebody God's laid up on your heart and that you've been talking with and that you really just want to have boldness to be able to share the truth with them, all of the truth, not just parts of it. Uh, listen, the altar is open when you come and pray today. The Lord spoke into your heart. You come and pray.